0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Shoes. Recorded live. 아, 듣고... I'd like to welcome you all once again to another edition of Teaching the Word, where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of thousands of God's feet all over the world. I just want to thank you Lord
1: I, I just want to thank you Lord Amen, amen God bless you children of God We greet each of you Again, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we thank Him for another opportunity to be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. It is always a blessing to be able to worship God, for He has been good to each one of us. For those of you that have been worshiping with us, you know that we are working on our most recent topic entitled, When it's time to move on, it's time to move on. When it's time to move on, God is a God of perfect timing. Uh, There's a time, the Bible says, and a place for every activity under the sun. Whatever the activity is under the sun, there is a time and there is a place for it. Uh, part of our responsibility is to uh, get to know God's divine timetable. You know, As you get closer to God, God will begin to reveal to you his divine timetable. He won't he won't let us know everything there are certain things that he uh holds to himself, but there are many things that he will reveal to you as you get close to him. My spirit goes to Peter and how Jesus began when he reinstated Peter to reveal to Peter how he would die now you you may not want to know how you will die, but you know each one of us has got to go away from this world. We've got to leave this place. Now, uh, how we spend our time here, what we choose to do, how we uh, choose to go about our lives here, all of that is uh, our business. But we have got to go away from here. And it's better to go away from here in right standing with God than to go away from here in wrong standing. We looked at Capital A. Why are you crying? Exodus 14 and 15, Exodus 5 and 8, capital B, prepared for works. Understand that God is preparing you and I that we may work in his kingdom. Ephesians 2 and 10, Romans 9 and 23, capital C. Go on to maturity. Go on to maturity. We're going to look briefly at uh, Luke chapter 8. With a special focus on verse 14. Luke chapter 8. Special focus on verse 14. From the New International Version, our scripture reads, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and pleasures, and they do not mature. Once again, Luke chapter 8, verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Capital C in our outline. Go on to maturity. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. We thank you again, Father, for another day that you have added to our lives. We thank you, Father, for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth, to sing praises to your most holy name. Father, we thank you because you have not dealt with us as our sins deserve. You have been merciful. You have been kind. You have been long-suffering. We appreciate you, Father. We reverence you. We respect you. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. We ask, Father, that you will speak to us this this evening. Speak in our hearts and minds that we may better understand, comprehend, discern your good, pleasing, and perfect will. We understand, Father, that we have not yet obtained it all yet, and we have not yet been made perfect. Father, we thank you for the unction to press on, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of us. Help us, Father. Open our eyes. Unstop our ears. Reconfigure us, Father. Shape us and mold us. Make us into the people in these last days that you desire for us to be. Father, as you do these things for us, we will be very careful to give your name all glory, all honor, and all praise. This is our prayer. We count these things done in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let God's people say amen. Go on to maturity. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus. We see, look, in Luke chapter 8 a number of things. God gives us a glimpse into Jesus and his entourage. Yes, yes. Jesus had an entourage. Well, some of us thought that maybe M.C. Hammer was the first to have an entourage or Kanye West or or Elvis or whoever these modern-day entertainers are. Some of us may have thought that the term entourage originated with them, but the reality is there is nothing new under the sun. Jesus had an entourage, a group of people that traveled and moved with him. You'll find in Luke chapter 8, verse 1, that after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. It says the twelve were with him. Of course, we uh, normally see the twelve disciples moving with him to various cities, various countries, and various nations. But the Bible also lets us know and that there were some women, verse 2, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cuza, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. You see, Apostle, what do you come here to say to us? Jesus moved with a very powerful entourage. Jesus came to your city, your town, or your village. It wasn't normally just Jesus just coming in, preaching and teaching and doing whatever. He had with him trusted disciples. I want to encourage you, under the sound of my voice, to be a trusted disciple. You need to be on some of the missionary trips with your pastor, with your apostle, with your spiritual leader, just as Jesus' disciples were thousands of years ago. These individuals made time. You say, "Ah, oh, Apostle, we're busy. We got jobs. We got careers. Yeah, I understand. So did these people 2,000 years ago. But they made time out of their busy schedule to, to uh, travel and to carry the gospel Into the four corners of the earth. Now, uh, that is very important because as we carry the gospel into the four corners of the earth, once the gospel has been heard or once the gospel has been preached in the four corners of the earth, the scripture talks about how the end will come, the end of this dispensation, the end of this generation. The Bible says that while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Jesus often used parables. I thank God today that the Spirit of God still uses parables. Parables are just earthly examples that convey spiritual messages. Now, you know, one of the things the Lord has in my spirit immediately is that the reason why earthly examples are able to convey spiritual messages is because everything in the earth first had its origin in the spiritual. Everything in the earth, everything that you can see, everything that you can smell, that you can taste, that you can touch, that you hear about, that you know about, it had its origin in the spiritual realm. Before there was an earth there were, in physical realm, there was an earth in the mind of God. God had, had, when there was nothing that had been created in God's mind, there was a picture of the earth, a huge, huge ball of whatever suspended in the middle of space. God saw it in his mind, much like a sculptor or much like an a artist looks at a blank canvas or at a, blank, at a big lump of clay and sees a masterpiece. You need to understand that before you existed in this physical realm, God saw you in his mind. you ever wonder why you have been created? Why are you here? It's because God saw you in his mind and he decided to take you out of the spiritual realm, to take you from being a thought in the mind of God, and to make you manifest in physical realms, you are here because God saw fit to bring you here. You are, you exist because God saw fit to create you, to make you. You did not come from some pond scum. You did not uh, 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 descend from apes and monkeys. You, all of that nonsense. You are here because God decided for you to be here in the image and the likeness of himself. Parables. Parables. Earthly examples to show you how things work in the spiritual realm. There's a way that things work in the spiritual realm, and God gives us a glimpse of how things work in the spiritual or the unseen realm right in the natural, right in the natural, right in the seen realm. Jesus said a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rocks where it came up. Plants withered because they had no moisture, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and which fell among thorns which which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has an ear, let him hear. Well, what is it that God wants us to hear? God wants you and I to hear that every one of us falls in one of these four categories. If you out there under the sound of my voice, you fall under one of these four categories. I fall under one of these four categories. Each one of these categories represents different types of people. Now, we have definitions that that are important in this parable because as you understand the definitions of things, it will will help you see uh, more in depth what this parable was all about. You had the seed. Now, in the natural, what a seed is is an embryonic plant in a protective cover. In other words, it's a little baby plant covered by the hard material of the seed or covered by the outer layer. It's a little baby plant. Just like, you know, uh, uh, inside of an unborn uh, a mother that's pregnant, you've got a little unborn child. So we got seed. Now the scripture talks about the farmer went out to sow his seed. Well, what is the purpose of? of sowing seed. The purpose of sowing seed in the natural is that a plant may grow up. You're not sowing seed so that you receive seed. You sow seed so that you receive a plant, so that you receive something much more advanced, much more developed than the seed. You say, Apostle, what does that have to do with, with, with me and my walk with God? Well, you need to understand that that what God asks for you and I to sow seeds into the kingdom, whether they're monetary seeds, whether they are time seeds, whether they are gift, uh, 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 gift seeds, whether they are talent seeds, God wants you and I to sow seed. Well, what do we understand about a seed? That when a seed comes up, it is much greater than the seed because the plant is much greater than the seed. It's much more developed. It's much more full. You say, Apostle, what you driving at? We sow seed into the work of God, even if it's a tithe of what we earn. Not that I'm telling you all to, to, to sow a tithe. You sow as the as the Lord leads. But if you sow a tithe into the work of God, and God blesses you with a job making uh, 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 ten times the tithe that you have have sown in, that 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 has come up, the job or the promotion or the financial breakthrough, is much greater than the seed. Now, what we understand is that the more seeds we sow in the natural or in the spiritual, the more plants will come up. The more seeds we sow in the natural or in the spiritual, the more plants will come up. This is one of the reasons why God wants you and I to sow abundantly. He gives us the freedom to sow sparingly, but that's not the good. If you want a sparing harvest, then sow sparingly. Go, go ahead. But most of us, most of us do not go in to try to find the worst job we can, find, we can possibly get. Most of us do not go in trying to find the least paying job that, that we can possibly get. Most of us do not go in trying to buy the worst house that we can possibly find or the worst car that we can possibly Most of us don't. Most of us want to try to get that which is best. If somebody offered you right now uh, uh, the choice between living in, uh, in the projects or living in a mansion, they say, all right, all expenses will be paid whichever place you choose to live, projects or a mansion. Most of us, with any good sense, would choose a mansion. Why? Because we, we view a mansion as being uh, of higher quality than projects. If somebody gives you an option right now and says, all right, we can give you a brand-new hoopty, an old broken-down car, or we can give you a brand-new Bentley with all the extras, most of us with any sense, we're going to choose the brand-new Bentley. Why? Because we see the brand-new Bentley as being of higher quality, of greater worth than the Hooptie. Well, so most of us want quality. Most of us want the best. Now, the the problem is not that most of us want the best. That's an admirable quality. Even God wants the best. But what God wants us to understand is that if we want the best, or if we want abundant harvest, or if we want a, 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 a great harvest, we have to be willing to sow abundantly. This is why everybody don't drive Bentley. Everybody don't have that kind of money to spend on a car. Not that we wouldn't drive it if somebody gave it to us, but most of us don't have that kind of money to spend on a car. Well, there are some characters that do, and that's why they go out and buy Bentleys. Normally, when you have individuals with the kind of money to buy a Bentley, they wouldn't—they wouldn't hardly be caught dead in a hoopty. Why? Because they know they have enough to sew to get that quality. You say, Apostle, what you driving that? I want to encourage you if you want quality, you need to sow for quality. You cannot continue to sow for uh, lack of quality and expect quality to continue to manifest. What we see here is a sower, we see a farmer who is sowing seed. Now, all of the seed. All of the seed that was sown was the same. The difference was the condition of the ground that it fell on. You see, Apostle, what that means to me? That your the condition of your heart will determine what God's word will do in you. The condition of your heart, the condition of my heart. It's the condition of our heart, the condition of our inner man. Same seed. Why is it two students can sit in a classroom, one sit in the classroom, get an A, other one sit in the classroom and get an F. Got the same teacher, got the same book, got the same lesson, taking the same test. Well, what's the difference? The difference is that one student takes the the lesson a little more seriously, a little more intently than the other. So it is when it comes down to the Word of God. How is your heart when it comes down to the Word of God? Because that's what's going to make the that's what's going to determine how you are blessed or how you are, are cursed. It's the, same, it's the same word. It's the same word of God. I, one of the things I share in many countries I go in, especially in Nigeria, I said, look, you all got the same Bible that we got in the United States. It's the same Bible. But how you and I respond to the word of God is what makes the difference. This is why some people hear God's word and get blessed, other people can hear God's word. Now, you need to understand this, and I had to share this with many of the saints that were here with us some time ago. I said, look, you mess around in this ministry right here, and you will either find yourself more blessed than you have ever been, or you will find yourself more cursed than you have ever been. Some of the saints were looking at me like, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? I said, you need need to hear this, and you need to hear it well. In this ministry right here, I know what God has given me, and I know what, what I'm carrying. You will either find yourself More blessed than you have ever been in your life, or you will find yourself more cursed than you have ever been in your life. They were like, ah, Pastor, how? What what were you? I said, look, as God gives you more of His Word, more of His revelation, more of His insight, more of Himself. If you take that and put it into practice, nobody can stop you from being blessed. Nobody can stop the blessings from being on the rise in your life. They were like, okay, apostle, we understand that. I said, but on the, on the contrary, if you stay up under God's word and are hearing more of his revelation, more of his insight, more of his knowledge, more of his wisdom, and you decide that you're not going to do that, now you will find more curses in your life than you have ever found before. Why? Because God has given you more. And any time God gives you more, he expects you to do more with it. But if God gives you more and you do less with it, God is going to be more displeased with you. To whom much is given. Much is expected or much is required or much is demanded. So as God gives us more, what, what we said we're talking about here, what we say our topic is, when it's time to move on, it's time to move on. When God has given you more, don't try to act like he hasn't. Because what that will do is cause God to beat you and I more. God has given us more. God has explained more. God has revealed more. God has shown us more. We have borne, we have borne witness in our spirit that what God has said is true. And then we're going to try not to do what God has shown us or try to act like what God, has, we, we don't see what God is, uh-uh. God said, no, 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 because God knows when you and I have got nothing. That's why the scripture tells us, James, half-brother of Jesus, warned individuals under the spirit, said not, said in the book of James, not many of you should presume to be teachers, because those of us who teach will be judged more strictly. God said, uh no, everybody don't need to be trying to teach. Uh-uh, uh uh-uh. You need to understand when you start teaching a thing, you will be judged more strictly. Why? Because when you teach a thing, you are expected to know it. You can't teach what you don't know. When you lead, you're going to be judged more strictly. Why? Because you can't lead where you don't go. There's no way in the world I'm going to be able to stand before you all on a daily basis And share what God says without me somewhere having to sit down and listen to what God says. You can't give what you don't have. Whether that's the church or whether that's us individually. If we don't have it, we can't give it. But once we have received, see, once we have received, our level of accountability increases. Oh, it's one thing you've given little bitty offerings to church when you had a little little bitty job. You know, you, you won't make it too much. In fact, my spirit goes to, to one of the major contributors to this particular ministry. Started out contributing, listening to the broadcast about eight, nine years ago, contributing 20, 25 little dollars. We praise God. We thank God. Messed around and he received a prophetic word. Uh, he and I were talking one day, and the Lord just interrupted the conversation and told me to tell him that that my brother, you getting ready to come into a large sum of money? Shortly after that, I noticed his 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 contributions had gone from twenty twenty five little dollars up to in the hundreds, and I wanted to know what was going on. He told me, he said Apostle, you remember you told me I was about to come into a large. I was like, yeah. He said that it was a job I've been trying to get for fourteen years. God has blessed me with. You say apostle, what are you driving at? When you have God, when you have little God is not expecting much, but when we have much, anytime you look up and you have much God is expecting much from you whatever you have much of you have much talent, you can have much wisdom, you can have much understanding, much insight, God is expecting much So every one of us belongs to one of these categories. The first category, the scripture says, that as he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path. Now, we want to understand what a path is. A path is a way or a track that's been laid down for walking. It's a way or a track. Now, normally, and God began, was dealing with me on this. I've been preaching this about 30 years, and I'm just, just seeing this particular revelation here a path is normally a way that many individuals have taken you think about a path through the woods or a path through the mountains it's the way that that most people go that's why it that's why it is a path that's why it's, it's, it's packed down and because a lot of people have gone that way well remember the seed is symbolic of what the word of god So when the word of God falls along the path. Now, the Bible talks about how these individuals, if you go on down to Luke chapter eight. And verse 12, it says that those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart. Now, in the parable, the path does not allow the seed to penetrate because the path is very, very hard ground. It's very, very hard ground. So what God has began to deal in and is even sharing with me right now, that there are some individuals that are so bent set on doing things the way the world has done them or their culture has done them or their generation has done them, that even when God's word come in and, te- and try to tell you to do things differently, individuals won't accept that. And See, that's what happens. Because what you've got is you've got in that parable, you've got the path, which is symbolic of just the way that a whole lot of people are going and the way a whole lot of people are doing things. You have the seed, which is symbolic of the word of God, falling on the path. But because the seed is not able to break through that ground, because the seed is not able to break through that hard ground, the birds come and take the seed away. So when the word of God comes, now if you, if you just decided you're going to just, you know, one of the ways you can tell you're dealing with people that have a path like heart, they'll tell you stuff like, I don't care what nobody say. Well, see, that's dangerous words for us as children of God. Because we want to always be in a position where God can say something different to us and we change. Regardless of what our society has been doing, regardless of what our nation has been doing, regardless of what our gender has been doing, regardless of what our race, our ethnicity, our socioeconomic background, when God talked, there used to be a commercial out in the 70s, talk about when E.F. Hutton talked, people listen. Well, I, I got one better for you. When God talked, we need to listen. We need to listen, so that god God said Robert, I want my word to establish the path in my children's life and not the world. God wants his word now a path is a way that people travel that's what it is it's a way that people go or a way uh, uh, what God wants His word to set our paths. His word is a light to our our feet, and a lamp to our pathway. God's word wants to be what directs us and not the path of the world. So we got two groups. All right, we got one group. The seed, we got people with path-like hearts. Word gets trampled in these people's hearts birds of the air eat it up. And then the scripture says in verse 6, some some fell on rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. The plants withered because they had no moisture. Now, these are individuals you find in verse 13. That these are individuals who receive the word of God with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. Now understand that no matter how beautiful a plant may be, when it has no root, the dying process begins. You you go out and you clip some beautiful flowers, or you pull up, you pull up some beautiful flowers beautiful flowers by the root. They'll look beautiful for a while. They'll look real, real good for a while, you know. But the dying process, you you have already started the dying process because you have disconnected them from the source. You've disconnected them from the soil. You've disconnected them from the nutrients. It's just a matter of time before they will start looking like what they are, which is dead. They look good a week, three or four days, or however long. But it's just a matter of time before they will start looking like what they are. This is why you and I want to stay connected. See, We want to stay in the natural for a plant to stay connected to the ground, to stay connected to the water source. It's work. It's work for you and I as children of God to stay connected with God. In the natural, plants have all kinds of agents that are trying to to disconnect them. The wind be trying to disconnect them. Soil erosion be trying to disconnect them. Animals be coming to try to disconnect. It's work for a plant. This is why plants develop thorns. Plants develop thorns because, in essence, what the plant is saying is, look, I don't want you animals to eat me. I want to live. So plants develop thorns to try and deter animals from eating them. Plants say, I want to stay connected. You and I, children of God, we got to be, we got to say, look, we want to stay connected. As we, as we were talking about earlier in the beginning of Luke chapter eight, these people that travel with Jesus, these disciples, these women who supported the ministry of Jesus, out of their own means, why were they traveling with Jesus, why they didn't they just let Jesus go you know, like many of you are, all, alright apostle we'll see you when you get back you know, from your missionary tour, why did they go these things were saying we want to stay connected we want to stay connected, no, 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 no we we, we want to go, we we go on Jesus well see, you know, we praise God because we're, li- we're living in a in a technological age see, this, these individuals here, they didn't have any internet Jesus couldn't make any or, or didn't make any any broadcast from other other countries and other nations where the saints could be back home watching on TV or watching, listening through their computer. So they had to go. So they dropped. They let this look, you know, we didn't let, we're going to have to take a few days off work or husband, I'm going to have to go out of town for a little while because I'm going to connect. We are fortunate enough, children of God, to live in a technological age. Some of you all have watched the broadcast live from South Africa when I was there. Some of you all have watched the broadcast live from Dubai when I was there. Some of you all have watched the broadcast live from from Nigeria when I was there. Why? We want to stay connected. Understand that us as children of God staying connected is one of the most important things that we can do as the body of Christ. And that's why the adversary don't want you And I to know that he is working just as hard as he can to disconnect us. Some of us are falling headlong right into the trap of the adversary. God wants us connected. Look at your physical body. We are the body of Christ. And then God give us a physical body to show how the body of Christ ought to be working. Look at our physical body. Our body is connected. Arms connected to the upper torso, legs connected to the lower torso, head connected to the head, connected to the neck, neck connected the the, the legs I don't think they even made a song the leg bones connected to the such and such bone. we are connected. well, what's the adversary's first move? Well, since this is a war his his one of his main tactics is to disconnect us, to disconnect you and I from the head. Well, who is the head, Jesus Christ? He's the head of the body of Christ. Well, in war, one of the first things that, that enemy soldiers try to do is cut your head off. Cuz the battle is over. Game is over. We can connect if we in a in a war, if I can cut your head off, that that that, that fight is over. Well, that's what the adversary wants to do with you and I. He wants to disconnect us from the head, which is Jesus Christ. Get you watching TV rather than listening to the word of God. <laughs> the adversary like, "Come on now." Get you talking on social media. Spend more time on social media than you do in the word of God. Come on now. Come on, come on. Get you going to the movies more than more than you, you, you studying God's Word. Come on now. Come on. Try. He wants to disconnect you and I from the head. May that not be any of our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us work to stay connected. If I came up to you right now with a natural sword. And say, look, I'm gonna cut your head off. You just gonna stand you gonna just stand right there and let me do it? No. You're gonna run, you're gonna fight, you're gonna do something because you realize that if your head get cut off and disconnected from your body, game is over. But yet some of us just stand right by and just let the adversary come right in and disconnect us from God. Same way we will fight in the natural to keep somebody from cutting our head off, let us fight in the spiritual to keep the adversary from disconnecting us from our head. So we got the seed that has fallen on the what? Path. We got the seed that has fallen on the rock. And then you look at verse uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 7. The seed that fell among... The thorns. Now, hold on. God said give them the definition. Understand what rocky, what rocky ground is. All right? Now, we just finished talking about the seed the fallen rock. Rocky ground is ground that has dirt and rocks mixed in. Now, the problem with the rock is that the rock adds nothing to the soil. It adds no, it's no nutritional value for the plants. It does not help the plants. In fact, it hinders the plants because a lot of time, what it does when the plants are trying to spread out its roots and get a better footing, the rocks prevent it. I want to encourage you under the sound of my voice to be, be mindful of rocky folk in your life.
0: Just beware of rocky folk. Folk that are trying
1: to hinder you from Spreading out in Christ, trying to hinder you from doing and being rocky, rocky things in your life, rocky people, places, and things that which is just trying to hinder you from 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 you taking taking good root in the things of God. All right, so we got the the path like people, we got the rock like people. Then verse seven says, other seeds fell among thorns. These are the thorny-like people which grew up with it and choked the plants. Thorny-like people. Now, Jesus said in verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries. In other words, they hear God's word, but because they don't use God's word properly, they get used by the world. In other if you don't use God's word properly, you will be used by the world improperly. All right. I'll just give it to him in, in parable form. If you take a sword and hold it by the handle, you can do great damage to your enemy. But if you take a sword and try to grab it by the blade, you can do great damage to yourself. Well, the scripture tells us that God's word is living and active, that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit joints of marrow. So God's word, if it is used properly, it can do great damage to the en- your enemies. But if it's used improperly, it can do great damage to you. So what have we got here with these individuals? Instead of them using the word of God to choke out the worries in their life, because they improperly use the word of God, the worries of life choke the word out of their life. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, the worries of this life are choking the word out of your life. And it needs to be the other way around. Either the word used properly is going to choke the worries out of your life, or the worry, the, or the word used improperly. And now, normally, these are individuals that 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 don't see the word of God as as being um, something that that is meant for everyday use. You, you you got what we call what you might call Sunday Christians. Feel like ah, uh, you know, Sunday we get dressed up, we go, we sit down and listen to the world, the word. But then Monday through Saturday, we get right on back to just doing things our way. That's not God's intention. God's intention is that first of all, his word come to our hearts and our minds on a daily and a regular basis. Just like Jesus taught every day in the temple courts. His early apostles preached and taught every day in the temple courts, And he wants you and I up under the word on a daily and a regular basis. He wants the word of God used. Now, uh, God is flashing a piece of exercise equipment in my mind. Listen, it doesn't matter how expensive or how good the exercise equipment is that you go out and buy. If you don't want to use it, it's not going to do you any good. Oh, man, God, Apostle, I just went and I bought uh, $1,000, $2,000 worth of exercise equipment. And uh, yeah, I bought a weight bench. I bought a, a big-time treadmill. Like, But if you don't use it, it doesn't matter. You could get more done walking up and down the street 10 or 15 times not spending any money then buying two or $3,000 worth of exercise equipment, that you won't use. Why? Because the important thing is that you what? Use it. So it is with the word of God. Doesn't matter how much you pay for your Bible. Doesn't matter how much of God's word you even sit up under. You know, a friend of mine, I think in Nigeria, he had some, some points years ago in a place called, I believe it was Abba, Nigeria. He had some points. That about uh, just about about different things in life. And one of the points that I remember is that it's not about how much food we eat as human beings. It's how much of the food we digest. So you can eat all kind of food, but if your body does not digest it, does not take out the proper nutrients, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. So it is with the word of God. You can hear God's word from now until Jesus' return. But if, you are not, if you're not digesting it and putting it to use, it's not going to do you uh, the good that God wants it to. So these individuals here, the see it stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries. Why? They didn't hear it, and they didn't put it into practice. Because when you put God's word into practice, it will begin to choke the worries out of life. When you begin to put God's word into practice, it will begin to clear a path for you. When you begin to put God's word into practice, it, 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 you don't have to worry about trying to get a whole bunch of folk out of your life that, that uh, really shouldn't be in your life. When you put God's word into practice, they'll high-step their way right on out of your life. They'll get away from you. Amen. God bless you, Reverend Kenneth. Praise God. So, so we want to God's word. God's word. When God's word is practiced, this is when the adversary gets very concerned, because he know that when God's word is practiced, he can't just keep doing the same things he has been doing to us. He can't just keep tricking us. You mess around, go to a a, a magician show, a magic show, and backstage the magician. You, done, you, you you got to watch the magician backstage practicing all his tricks. So you know where the secret compartment is in the hat, where the rabbit is hiding. You know where the strings are hanging that are holding up the levitating woman. You, you know all of the tricks. So when you go out and watch the show, you, you ain't like, you're not like the regular people in the audience in there, ooh and ah, because you know all of the tricks. Well, God's word will let you know all of Satan's tricks. Listen to me, children of God, and I've shared this with you a number of times. Anytime you know, meet somebody that know a lot of God's word, you better understand that same individual know a lot of what the devil's word. <laughs> because if you want to know what the devil is saying, just turn around what God is saying. So automatically knowing a lot of what God says will make you know a lot of what the devil says automatically knowing a lot of truth will make you know a lot of lies. Automatically, when you can see a lot of right, you can see a lot of wrong. It's automatic. It's automatic. God know every trick that Satan got. Why? Because God know everything. He know all of his word. So anything that God knows that anything that is not his word is a lie from Satan. Well, see, if you don't know a lot of God's word, you don't know when the devil is talking, and you don't know when he's not talking. You easily tricked, easily fooled, easily bamboozled. This is one of the reasons why we want to hit God's word hard and strong on a daily basis. Because see, now I can spot Satan. Satan can't Satan can't hide as as easily as he once could. Uh, you know, you got certain lights that you can put on that. You know, I think I saw this on one of the CSI shows or something, you know, certain lights that you can put on and, and they'll show up stuff that be uh, invisible to the naked eye. You know, maybe you'd be like, oh, no, I, I never I never had sex uh, with a woman or something. They put on a certain light in your room and it will show all kinds of semen and all kind of can show all kind of things. Well, God's word operates much like that light it show it will show and it will reveal things that uh normal normal sight will never reveal that's why the bible says that nothing in all creation is hidden from the eyesight of god well nothing in all creation is hidden from god's word that's a, that's another way of saying that god's word sees everything god's word reveals everything You can't make God's word not reveal the truth. That's what it does. God speaks the truth on everything. Some people say, ah, Apostle, you you talk about sex at the Christian Center. God talk about sex. Ah, Apostle, you talk about this this and that at the Christian Center. Yeah, because God talks about everything, openly and honestly. There's nothing that God is ashamed to talk about. And there should be nothing that you and I are ashamed to talk about as children of God as long as we talk about it uh, using the word of God. Come on, let's get ready to close this message. So what are the kind of people we got? First group is what? uh, Well, we got the C, but what's the first group of people that we got? The path people. We've got the rock people. We've got the thorn people. And then verse 8, and we're going to close out here. Still other seed fell on good soil. Now, this is what I want to encourage every one of you under the sound of my voice. Because you've got to understand, you are responsible for the condition of your heart. Whatever condition your heart is in, whatever condition my heart is in, I, we're the ones responsible. And God's going to hold us accountable. Now, these are the good soil people. We've got the path. We've got the rock. We got the um uh what was the other one thorns, and now we got the good soil people and Jesus says to us here in verse fifteen that the seed on the good soil stands for those who with a noble and good heart, in other words, these are individuals who really want to do things like God wants them done. See that's got to be. That's got to be your your overwhelming desire in life, to really want things done like God wants them done. Never mind being politically correct. Never mind trying to have a bunch of friends, or or a bunch of false friends, or trying to impress people. Uh, uh-uh. let's do this thing like God say. Let's have let's have let's be the kind of man that God wants us to be. Never mind this monstrous creation of men that, that, that this society and this generation is trying to sell. You know. Don't know whether it's a half man or whether it's a half woman. Or, ah, let's be the kind of men that God is calling for. Let's be the kind of women that God is calling for. Never mind this Jezebel or uh, or uh, modern day whore think that she can do anything a man. Never mind that nonsense. Let's be the kind of woman, be the kind of woman that the scripture tells you to be. Like holy women of the past. Scripture talks about Sarah. Never mind this marriage that, that the world is trying to portray. Let's let this marriage be like God said it's supposed to be. Never mind this family like the world is saying, with children running and hollering, I hate you, and stomping out of the house and acting like, uh-uh, let's be a family like God say be. Never mind this church that the world is trying to shove down our throats. Let's be the church like God said, like the early church was, where individuals devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, and had much grace being upon us. Let's be be like the, the scripture tells us to be. When you have a noble and good heart, you want to be like God wants you to be. These are individuals, the Bible says, that hear the word, watch this, and retain it. Let us not just hear the word. Let us retain it. Years ago, one of my daughters contacted me after one of the broadcasts and said, Daddy, I want that gift you got. I said, what gift is that, daughter? She said, the gift of being able to remember scriptures." I said, daughter, that is not a gift. I said, that's just hard work. You got to make yourself retain. You got to make yourself remember the Word of God. It's not a gift. There's no such thing in the Scripture as the gift. He that is able to remember Scripture, (laughs) no gift like that. You make yourself sit down, just like you learned your lesson for school, just like you learned that George Washington was the first president, or you learned the Pledge of Allegiance, that Pledge of Allegiance to the what? Flag, it's been a long time. Of the what? United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. We had to recite that every day as young people growing up. We had to recite it. Well, the same thing you got to do with God's word, recite it, recite it, recite it. That'll keep some of you all's minds off of a lot of foolishness. A lot of you, you won't have time to be all worried about that, that boyfriend that's acting like a fool if you're making yourself remember scripture. You won't have a whole lot of time to be worried about who's gossiping about you and who talking about you and who don't like you. Make yourself remember scripture. Tell you what, next time somebody do something crazy to you, instead of worrying about what they have done and, and tripping off what they have said and how they treat you, make yourself remember every scripture you can uh, uh, regarding that. Make yourself remember, make, They are they, oh, they talking about me at the job? Make yourself remember every scripture out there on uh, gossip, on backbite. Make yourself learning. And what you will find as you make yourself, as you retain the word of God, because the Bible says that blessed is the man who meditates on God's law both day and night, you will find a peace that will come in your life that will surpass all understanding. Some of you out there, you all worried about, trouble your children in, Trouble your parents in, worried about pay cuts on the job, worried about layoffs, temporary layoffs, all kind of different things. Make yourself meditate. Instead of meditating on that nonsense, instead of meditating on that foolishness, meditate on the word of God and watch how the peace of God will reign in your heart and your mind. The Bible says that those who hear the word and retain it, watch this, and by persevering. So that means they're doing it. They just keep doing it. Some of you all out there, you wonder, Pastor, why you keep right on? Why you keep right on preaching? Keep right on preaching? Because God said keep right on doing it. As you keep right on doing the Word, just like if you want to stay in shape, you got to keep right on exercising. You can't exercise. I'm going to exercise for six weeks, get myself in shape, then I'm going to go back to eating every chocolate-covered goo-goo and chocolate-covered bang uh that you can... Pop. Uh-uh, you got to keep doing it. You want to stay in shape, you got to keep doing the things that will keep you in shape. And naturally, or spiritually, you've got to keep right on doing, you've got to persevere, persevere, persevere in God's word, persevere, persevere, and that's when the blessings of God will persevere in your life. You don't want to just be blessed for a little while, at least I know I don't. No, you want. I want to continually be blessed. Well, God says there's certain things that you got to do. God said you've got to keep hearing my word. Because faith don't just come by hearing. God said faith continues to come by hearing. Faith keep right on coming by here. So God said, if you keep going, and then God come back and say that without faith, it's impossible to please me. So God said, if you want to keep right on pleasing me, you got to keep right on hearing my word. you got to keep right on retaining my word. you got to keep right on persevering in my word. God said, now that's if you want to please me. Bible says, and by persevering, they produce a crop. Some of us are not producing like God wants because we're not doing with God's word like he wants. Take an inventory. Talk to God. Ask Him, Lord, which one of these, which one of these, which one of these groups is me? Am I these uh, path-like Christians? Am I a path-like Christian? Word come, then all of a sudden, you know, because it don't take, you know, it can't penetrate, it can't penetrate my hard heart, and my stubborn ways. Then the birds come, take it away. Lord, am I? Am I a? a, a what's the next one? Path Christian. What else? Path-like person. What's the other group? Am I a rocky ground people? Do I just enjoy hearing God's word, but I don't let it take root in me so that when trial or something come, I'm immediately go right back? Or am I, what's the next rule? Am I a thorny like Christian? Am I mishandling and misusing the word of God so that the worries of life have, have gotten me under subjection instead of me using the word to bring them under subjection? Or, Father, am I a good ground Christian? Father, you tell me which kind of which, which kind of individual am I, and let God let God uh, talk to you, cause He'll tell you the truth. If you're not producing, if your your walk with God, you're not producing. Then I guarantee you, you are one of these other three. If you not you not you're not, uh, he, you're not uh, persevering in God's word, then you're one of these other three. If you're not retaining God's word, somebody, you go and hear a great word from God five minutes later, somebody asks you, "What? You know, I, I listened to Apostle Brian tonight. Oh, that's good, baby. What did Apostle say tonight?
0: Oh, oh, oh.
1: You're not retaining the word, then I guarantee you, you're one of them other three. In order to produce a good crop, to, in order to be a good ground Christian, there are certain things that we must do. We've got to hear that word. We've got to retain that word. We got to persevere and keep doing that word, keep doing that word, and keep doing that word 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 and keep doing that, word, and keep doing, that doing that word, and doing that word, and doing it, and doing it and doing it. Then God said, That's when you produce a crop. May God continue to bless each of you under the sound of my voice, and heaven continue to smile on you. I pray that uh, God has said something to shed some light some revelation on uh, the various situations we find ourselves in in this light. And my all prayer is that uh, whatever corrections need to be made in the body of Christ, that we can be these good ground Christians, that it will be made, that our lives may be, that we may have the abundant life that Christ came for you and I to have. Uh, Questions here. What do we got? Number one. Whenever, whatever we have much of, what does God expect out of us? Whatever we have much of. Number two, uh, explain the four types of people. Explain, briefly explain the four types of people. And then question number three. In order to be a good ground Christian, what must we do? In order to be a good ground Christian, what must we do? God bless you, saints, and heaven smile on you all.
0: Saints, you can reach us through email at Church at gmail.com. Check our website, wwwchurchcom backslash member backslash t backslash tccc. Feel free to join us on Talkshoe Freecast YouTube and iTunes at 9 and 6 p.m. daily. On TalkShoe, call 724-444-7444, enter ID 17959. On Spreecast, type in Robert Bryan on YouTube and the Christian Church channel. You can see excerpts of Apostle Robert Bryan on YouTube. Donations should be sent by using the donation button on the church website or our TalkShoe homepage. God bless you and heaven smile on you. In Jesus' name, amen in order to be a good ground Christian. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.